Good morning, church. I'm happy to be standing before you today. And I am under great expectation, and I'm also hoping you also are under great expectation to hear from God. Amen. I just want to start by reading Nehemiah. We're doing chapter 8 today. I'm not much of a good reader, but I'll try. Sometimes I go through over the commas and everything. That's right. (laughs) Yes. Yes, please. Thank you. Oh, boy. Here we go with all the names again. Nehemiah chapter 8. All the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattatiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And on his left were Pediah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashum, oh, you allow me because I'm Jewish, eh? Hashabadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Yeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabetai, Hudiah, Masiah, Kilita, Azariah, Dozabad, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the scribe, 
to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms, and shade trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves booths on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built booths and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the feast for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Amen. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much. Um, I would like to say most of the things I wanted to talk about, the testimonies that has been given already, have spoken almost half of the message that I've got for you. It just goes on to see that God is working with us and amongst us. He's doing something with us. He is an amazing God. Amen. And just as everyone has said, I wanted to start by just saying thank you to everyone who's working behind the scenes. Uh, Much has been accomplished, much than expected. We thank you. May God bless you. And may God continue to to give the agency in your hearts uh, to continue to minister and serve his people. God bless you so much. Amen. So I've been enjoying this chapter of Nehemiah that we have been all sitting and going through, and I believe everyone has been blessed by the chapter of Nehemiah. I think it's one of the most blessed chapters in the Bible. Amen? Do we agree? Amen. Just as everyone else. So now we're going to chapter 8, which is the most interesting, in my opinion. Amen. We came um, from chapter 1 of Nehemiah where we see Nehemiah accepting God's call um, through, through the restoration of the walls that were broken. Amen. And then we come to chapter 2 to chapter 6. We see now the restoration, the real construction of the wall. But during that period, we also see Nehemiah facing opposition. Amen. And then from last week, chapter 7, onwards to where we're going, God is moving the picture now. The walls have been constructed. Everything is now in place. And now God is moving the scene from construction to his people. As you can see from what we have read, everything has shifted from this one was at the gate building this and that. But now we are seeing the reading of the word of God. We are seeing the word of God now is being brought to the people. The people now are being brought back to God back to hear the word of God. Remember, they had been in exile, and they were all coming back from different places. So 
they haven't heard the word of God in a long time. So now we see that the woes have been completed. Now God is now starting to, wanting to reveal himself to his people. Amen. I hope by the grace of God I'll be able to, to take us through this. So we find in the picture here that as, as, the, as, as they start chapter 8, Ezra is brought to the picture. And Ezra was a direct descendant of Aaron, the, the chief priest. So Ezra was a priest. He was also a scribe. And he's brought to the picture now to bring the word to the people. The woes, the people, as, you can, as we read in the first chapter, it was the people that requested Ezra to bring the book and read it before them. Amen? It was not Ezra who brought the book to read to the people, but the people longed to hear from God. It had been a long time since they haven't heard the word of God. And so they asked Ezra, bring the book to us. Amen? I hope God can, we can get to understand and see where God wants to take us. Amen? So the, the, the story opens with the request of the people wanting to hear the word of God. The people realize, yes, we have built the walls. Yes, we've got everything in place. So what now? We need God. So they asked for the word of God to be brought to them. They needed direction. They needed spiritual transformation. Amen. So they needed God to come to the scene and to, to change their lives to hear what God had for them in stock. Amen. So the building of the walls, whatever the, the re- restoration that was happening, was only a means to an end, which is the salvation of the people of Israel. Amen. So we see now that this situation that God created, where the wall had fallen and people were coming together to build the wall, I see that sometimes, amen, we try to use God to change our circumstances when God wants to use those circumstances to change us. Amen. We find ourselves in certain circumstances and we pray God to take us out of those circumstances, but God wants to use those circumstances to mold us, to build us, to bring us back closer to him or to teach us something that we may not understand now, but tomorrow it will be good for us. Amen. So it's not too often that we have to go out of our circumstances. But sometimes God wants you in there, in the fire, refining you as an individual for his work, for his purpose. Amen. So I want to first Samuel, I'm not going to read it because of time. First Samuel chapter 17, it's a familiar story. Amen. Of David and Goliath. Amen. The Israelites had gathered on one side of the mountain. And the Philistines had gathered on the other side of the mountains. And Goliath, Goliath was such a giant. And they say, he said, guys, here is the deal. We're not going to all fight and kill each other. Israel, give me one man from your side. Give us one man from your side. And we'll give you one man from our side. And they'll fight. Whoever wins will be your servants. If you read the Bible, it says, for 40 days, no one was able to come from the side of Israel because no one was able to face Goliath. Amen. They would look at his physical structure. They would look at how he was built, 
how he was dressed. If you go to the chapter, it will tell you everything. The bronze, bronze shield, metals everywhere. But in Israel, not one man was found to be able to stand against Goliath. Amen. So, David was at home, tending to his father's ship. And then his father said to him, Can you go to the battlefield and check on your brothers? Go and check on them and see how they're doing. And bring a report back to me, just so that I know they are well. And the father prepared food, they gave it to David, and David... Boom, he went. Amen. Then David got to the battlefield. As he got to the battlefield, he could hear Goliath screaming out of his lungs. He's saying to the people, bring me one man that can fight me. Show me one man. You've been coming all day, not giving us anything. It, David was disturbed. Then he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who can say such against the armies of the living God? And his brothers heard him saying that. And they tried to say, no, go back home. You only came here to see the battle. Go back home. We don't want to hear. Go back home. But no. Whatever David was saying, it went to the ears of King Saul. Amen. And when King Saul heard that there was one young brave man who is talking some sense, because even the king himself had no plan. So David was called before the king. And the king said, can you fight this man? He said, yes. I can fight this Philistine. And the king said, you are very young, my boy. And this man has been trained for war from a very young age. So you can't say now you're going to go and fight this man. Amen. And David said to King Saul, let me tell you a testimony. Amen. Let me tell you a testimony. One day, I was attending to my father's ship, and a lion came. It wanted to take one of them, and I killed it. The other day, I was attending to my father's ship. A bear came, and I did the same. So who is this? uncircumcised Philistine that we should be afraid of. He drew testimony from his experience with God and he brought it before the king. And the king said, okay, let's prepare him so he can go and fight. And the king prepared David. But David says, I can't wear these. I'm not used to them. I can't put on these things you want to put on me. I'll go as I am. Amen. So, we find that David, on verse 37, I want to read verse 37 of First Samuel. Say, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear who delivered me from the hand of this Philistine. Then David said, verse 45, then David went into the valley and Goliath also came to fight David. And David said, you come to me with a sword and a spear. With a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I want you to see this church. It is before the battle. He's saying these things. That's faith in God. That's faith in action. 
Amen. So he's saying, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down. I will cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly, all his brothers, all the armies that had come, that this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and a spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you his hand. So whatever battles we are facing today, it's not your battle. It is the God's battle. The battle is of the Lord. Out of all the testimonies we've been hearing, no matter what you are facing today, God is there for you. Have faith in God. Amen. Just like David, he said, no, I'm not going to let you defy the armies of of God like this. Amen. Oh, may God help us this morning. Amen. So it is through these testings and challenges that we face every day that God sometimes uses to mold our character, that God uses sometimes to strengthen us for tomorrow. Amen. I want us to go, I want to to give you an example. The mining of gold. If you have ever gone to a field where they mine gold. Amen. I I don't want to talk about the formal thing. Amen. I want to talk about illegal miners. Have you ever seen where they go and, and they're mining? Those guys in their head, they know there is gold. They dig. If, if you tell them there is gold here at Serepta, they will dig the whole building looking for it. Because they have faith, they will find it. Amen. They have faith that even through the sweat, even if they have to dig six meters down, they will do it. They will dig to get the gold. Amen. It doesn't matter how, how deep down the gold is located. They will dig with picks, not with machinery or any of the modern things. Illegal miners, they will use whatever is available to them. Amen. So you will see them digging and digging. They don't give up. I'm saying don't give up this morning. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Do not give up. Whatever it is, whatever it is you're going through, do not give up. Have faith in God. Believe in Him. Believe His word. Amen. God can do it for us. So you see, when, when they're starting to dig, they can come out with these huge piles of stones. They know there's gold in this huge pile of stone. But they just don't take that huge pile of stone and go and sell it as it is. They start chipping it. They start chipping it. They start chipping it. And they put it maybe in the fire, in the refinery process. Maybe it's heated 100, 200 degrees to refine the gold. Amen. So, when they, it is gold. But when they first get it, it's got impurities. Hallelujah. So, when, some, when God got a hold of us, we had impurities. We were imperfect people. But God took us and he started to purify us. He started chipping off the impurities. He started chipping off our inabilities. And he said to me, you are my children. I came to take your place so that where I am, you can be also. Amen. So the storms of life, 
the things that we face today, they're not meant to harm us. They're meant to give us strength as Christians. Amen. Whatever it is that we face, God is here for us. Amen. So when God finds us, we were full of bags, baggages of anger, jealousy, and everything else. But God has refined us. God, with his grace, has found us. We are now born again believers. Amen. We are forgiven. We are the children of the Most High God. Amen. Do you believe it? We are all forgiven. God took our sin and he threw it into the sea of forgetfulness. Your sin was taken and was thrown into a sea where it is never going to be retrieved ever again. There is no remembrance of your sin. There is no record of your sin in Jesus' eyes. Amen. Do you believe it? So now there is no more condemnation to them that are in Christ. Amen. Don't let the devil condemn you. It is ways of telling you not to come in prayer with a good heart. We are forgiven. We are the children of the king. We are the children of the most high. Amen. There is no more record of our sin. Amen. Only people can point back to you and say, you know, but so and so, this and that year, you did so and so, and you know, he did this and that, not with God. He has no record. You are a child of God. You are clean. You are a saint. Amen. We have the DNA of God. And now that we are the children of God, Galatians 5.22 comes into play. Hallelujah. The fruit of the spirits are found in us. Amen. We have love, joy, peace, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Why? God did it for us. Amen. So Christians, Christians should have higher ambitions. Amen. Our ambitions are not like the people of this world. Amen. We don't have ambitions of going to buy a next car, bigger car, next clothes, next video game, next this from party to party, from house this and that. Okay, those things are all right. There's nothing wrong. But our ambitions should be higher than that as Christians. Amen. Colossians 3.2 says, set your affections on Christ. Amen. Our affections should be set on Christ. Building your hopes on things that are eternal. Whatever we see is temporary. Let's build our hopes on Christ Jesus. He is eternal. Let's build our hopes on things that, that will be there tomorrow. Everything we see today shall pass away. The word of God says, heaven and earth will pass away. But my word will not pass away. Amen. So they gathered and they asked them, bring Ezra, bring the book to us. We want to hear from God. Amen. And, and so we see in Second Chronicles, it says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my first, turn their wickedness, then I, God, is a personal pronoun, I, God, who heal their land, I will forgive their sin. Amen. It is God. Everything has got to do with God. I, God, personal pronoun, he himself making the promise. Amen. It's not me that's standing here. I can make a promise to you and I can deny it tomorrow. But when God has given you a promise, it is there and it stands forever. Amen. You can hold on to it. Amen. So, here we find that the children of Israel had a passion. They had a hunger for the word. So, Israel was brought to them. And then, in verse, chapter 8, verse 2 to 4, we see now the word of God is being now read to them. 
It started to bring Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women and all who could listen with understanding. Amen. You see, they are reading the word and they were giving, they were all giving careful attention. But what was needed here, what the children of God needed was a revival. They needed a revival in their hearts. They've been in wilderness for so long. They've been in exile, I mean. So now they needed a revival. Some of the children were even born in exile. They never knew what it is to worship God. So that's why we find the elders are explaining the word so some can understand. Because some were born in exile. Now they're all coming back. They need a revival. We need a revival too in our day. Hallelujah. We need God to come and revive our spirits. We need God to come and revive us for our our love and our passion for him. Amen. So the leaders took it. And if you find, there we go, Nehemiah was standing there, he stood, he read the word. And if you read the Bible, on his, on his left-hand side, there were five men with different names. And in his left side, there were five men with different names. But the whole picture here is showing that the leadership was showing team effort. It was a team ministry. The people has been brought together, but the unity of the leaders brought God to the people. We need the leaders of the church to be united. We need the leaders of the church to stand before God. God should handpick the leaders and so that they can lead his people. So you see team ministry from the beginning. Amen. And then in the th- from chapter 8, from 5 to 6, people begin to react. You see them. And then the, re- the word is being read. They started shouting, Amen. 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 They could sense God. They could sense God in their heart. They're shouting, Amen. 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 Because God's word was now beginning transforming their lives. The word of God started to transform them. When the word of God is read, it doesn't matter where, it changes the situation. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Do you agree, church? If you want to have faith in God, read the word of God. If you want to have faith in God, read the word of God. They say you are what you eat. Amen. So you feed the muscles of your faith by reading the word of God. Amen. We need to have faith in God. So only God can change us. Only God can tame the human heart. No one else can has ever tame the human heart. Amen. So we find here. I'm rushing. Sorry. Time is against us. Chapter 8, on chapter 8, verse 7 to 8. Now, they're reading the word, the careful reading of the word. Chapter 8, from 9 to 11, we encounter the response from the leaders now. Now, the people are crying. They're weeping. Why? They're overcame with conviction of their sins. Now, they're crying tears all over the, all over the congregation. The word of God has been brought before the people. The people have seen their sin. The people are crying for repentance. The people are begging God for forgiveness. And the leaders are there now. They're saying, no, 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 no. Do not cry. Let's prepare a feast to the Lord. This is a sweet restoration. God has brought us back. What did they say? The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what he said. So God brought them back not to mourn over their sin anymore, 
but it was a sweet restoration from God. It was now, you've been delivered. You are back to me. You are back to me. And I love you with a love that has never been imagined or seen anywhere. Let us come and let us celebrate. It's not the time to sit in sorrow of your sin. It's not going to help us. Let I'm saying, church, let us come together as the children of the Most High. Let us celebrate our King. Let us celebrate Jesus. Let us elevate Jesus in our lives. Let us elevate Jesus at our workplaces. Whatever we do, go with him. He is interested in every part of your life. He is interested in everything you do. Even if you are sick, he is there to heal you. Whatever that is, it is you've got a need of, God is there for you. May you be blessed this morning. May you go forth with his blessing. God bless you. Amen.